We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helvin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, June 14th episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. This is our second edition for 2018. If you missed my chat with Greg Ambrosius from last week, please go check it out uh, wherever you're listening. Um, with me today, my colleague Jim Coventry. We haven't talked since last summer. Jim, how's it going? Things are going extremely well. Very excited about the season. And, and like I said earlier, with you off the air, excited to work with you again. We had a blast last year in the few times we worked together. We really did. I always, I always say I learned a lot talking to you, which is always good for me. So here's, here's something you're going to learn. Here's its Tavon Austin stat. You ready? Yes. <laughs> I read this on, <laughs> on Twitter yesterday. Two-part thing. Number one, among all non-quarterbacks with at least 150 career rushing attempts, Tavon Austin ranks first in yards per carry. The second part, since targets became a stat in 1992, among all wide receivers with at least 300 targets, Tavon Austin ranks last in yards per target. Horrible receiver, good runner, they're making him a running back, fantasy gold right there. Eureka, forget you, Ezekiel Elliott, done. I think Jim Brown's a little nervous right now about <laughs> being called the greatest running back of all time. You know, from uh, on the National Fantasy Football Championship ADP, 
Ezekiel Elliott, I, I was talking last week with Greg Ambrosius about how I am fading Alvin Kamara, and I'll ask you about that in a second. But just because when Ingram gets back, I don't see the volume. He'll get more volume than last year, but not enough for me to pick him top five or top six. And I think the touchdown regression will come, and I'm just not a fan. In NFSC, Ezekiel Elliott has dropped behind, over the last month, has been the fifth pick. Alvin Kamara, four. Ezekiel Elliott, five. That is the most insane thing I could imagine in fantasy football. Yeah, they don't come any more rock solid than Elliott. And you know what you're getting. There's really no downside with him. Yeah, and, and, it's all, and it's all Tavon Austin's fault, I think. That's, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about, too. <laughs> I think Elliott's a little nervous about losing four or five carries a game. Right. All right. So it's not the most insane thing I can imagine, but it's pretty bad. Um, what do you, where are you on Alvin Kamara as a, as a top five pick? Are you in or out? Well, the rationale first. Sean Payton moved up to get Kamara last year. And he really, meaning Sean Payton, really made that Darren Sproles role the gold that it became. And I think he saw an amped up version of Sproles. And we always knew that Sproles would come through when he played for Peyton. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm in on Kamara, just because Peyton is so in tune with how to use a weapon like that. And after the results of last year, and like you said earlier, I can't see him using Kamara less than he did. Less than he did, I agree. But what do you have, 200 touches or so? Yeah, I, it wasn't a huge number for sure. And I, I think and what, I what, what in saying. my chat with Greg last week, he was with you saying, you know, I, I think the touches will go up. We, we were thinking maybe 240 and that's enough. And, and maybe it is. Like I, I, I'm just looking at that kind of volume. It's hard to get 13 touchdowns again is where I was going. And I just I, – I, it's possible, but for me, I mean, certainly not ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. Of course, absolutely correct on it, yes, because Elliott is going to be a gold standard lock for a massive amount of touches and all the red zone work. So I do not disagree with you, and I don't know how aggressively I'm going to target Kamara, but I do see the case of keeping him where he's at in ADP, but again, not Elliott ahead of him, not even close. All right, I'm going to ask you one more on this subject, then we'll move on. Kamara or Saquon Barkley? You know what? I am going to say Kamara, and when you ask me about coaching changes later, I'm going to address the coaching change, and that's going to give a little more background as to why I'm not going to be as high on Barkley. Obviously, Barkley's going to be a top 10 pick for me and a little higher for others, but no, I'm going to move Barkley beneath him in this case. Okay, that's fine. And maybe a lot, but I would bet most people agree with you, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm, look, I'm trying to see the volume aspect of it here. And, and, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm being too overzealous about Barkley. Uh, Bar- By the way, ADP on National Fantasy Football Championship, Kamara 4, Barkley 7 over the last month. All right, folks, check us out on Twitter. Uh, Jim is at Jim Cove Football, Jim C-O-V Football. I am at Halpin 37 You can also tweet us uh, at Rotowire. There's the player updates always at Rotowire NFL, and we're on Facebook, so check us out there. All right, we're going to talk about uh, – th- there's no – we've got some subjects to talk about. It, there's nothing really newsworthy going on at the moment that we need to cover. I mean, Julian Edelman suspension, eh, whatever. That's, you know, I, anything from there for you? I mean, I, there, there's no, there's not much fantasy fallout for me on that one. No, I, you know, what was interesting, and I agree with you, there's no fantasy fallout, but there was a kind of a weird appeal thing that might be going on with that, where they said scientists are still looking at his sample because 
there are a lot of weird findings apparently, and they're not completely sure that they're going to be able to put him out for the four games. Cause usually this suspension news doesn't leak the way this one did. So there are legs to the fact that this appeal could actually hold up. All right. Um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, but, but this doesn't, if it doesn't hold up, it doesn't make you say, Ooh, I've got to go get Chris Hogan or something like that. Correct. And Hogan will have a good first few weeks. You're right. But you're right. And fantasy worthiness, it doesn't move the dial too much one way or the other. Okay. Um, you want to talk about the Browns. I, lo- I mean, the Browns as a fantasy offense are so interesting right now. And, and I really, I think there's, there's a ton to talk about here. The first question I want to ask you on the Browns offense is week one, who's the starting quarterback? <laughs> I hope it's Baker Mayfield. Oh, me too. Hope, yes. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be Tyrod. Okay. Um, week, I don't see week five the coaching staff being progressive enough to make that week one move. Yep. But it won't take long. Okay. Actually, I, I wanted to pull up the Browns schedule because I said week five, but the schedule can always be a factor here. Yeah, the Browns aren't off until week 11. So, so if there's a change, it's probably not waiting that long. Correct. All right. They've got Jets week three, Raiders week four, Ravens week five, Chargers week six. There's, there's not a soft landing here. No, oh. there's not. Yeah. Wow. If Taylor came out in week one or week two and wasn't impressive, which he probably won't be that crazily impressive. Well, he never is I impressive. I think make the move pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not a super impressive guy. He's a, he's a don't screw it up guy. Correct. Pretty much. With a big arm, but correct. Yeah. And, he, and did you, I mean, you, you're more of a, a, a tape watcher than I am. Um, did, did you buy into that idea? When, when they benched him last year, they, there was a lot of talk about how it basically, he just wouldn't throw the ball downfield even when people were open. He just almost wouldn't look. And would, and would check down and take the easy way out. Is there validity to that? For Tyrod? Yeah. I do not buy that. Tyrod has always been the guy to want to throw the ball downfield. However, his targets, receivers, mm-hmm. were not jumping out and not creating that much separation. So I think the fact he wasn't throwing it was probably more of a knock on his receivers because Tyrod's past has shown – He's very willing to pull the trigger on that pass. So a little bit of truth to it, but I think it was the receivers and not him. Okay, interesting. So, so with that in mind, he can succeed here with, this, with these weapons, you would think. He definitely can because his strength as a quarterback is the deep passing game. He's not a very good short to intermediate passer of the football but with the players he has, specifically Josh Gordon and David Njoku, both can get downfield. These match up very well with Tyrod's skill set. Okay. And um, also Baker Mayfield's, but that's another story. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so, so the biggest change, and I'm going to tee you up here, that you want, we wanted to talk about a lot of these players, and we will, but you think a big deal in the Browns' offense is not on the field, but on the sideline with Todd Haley taking over as the offensive coordinator. Correct, I do. Um, Since he's been 
making a name for himself. He started out his making his mark in Arizona in 07 and 08 when he had Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald. And Fitzgerald put up a couple of 1,400-yard seasons. And, um, and he continued that trend. And matter of fact, Fitzgerald had touchdown totals of 10 and 12 in those two years. And then he goes to Kansas City to take over the head coaching job. And here he's got the legendary duo of Matt Castle and Dwayne Bowe. <laughs> Dwayne Bowe in his first year, 1,162 yards and 15 touchdowns. And in the second, and I'm going to qualify this in a second. And in the second year, Bo had 1,159 yards and five touchdowns. Now, I say the first and the second year, but the, actually the first year they worked together, no receiver started more than nine games. So that was kind of like he didn't have anybody healthy to play, but those are the two first full seasons. But he got that kind of production out of Fitzgerald and Bo, and then he goes to Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown sees an average of 10 targets per game. He's had one season with fewer than 1,499 yards. No matter who he's had as a number one receiver and an overall passing game, this guy makes passing games flourish regardless of who he has. All right. So if he's going to make this passing game flourish, there are options here. This, there is not a – I mean, Antonio Brown was a clear cut. He's the guy. Dwayne Bowe, crazy it seems, as it seems to say at this moment – was a, sort of a clear-cut, he's the guy at that point, right? Fitz? Yes. Maybe not totally clear-cut. Was Bolden there then? Bo was establishing himself. Well, those are the only two good years he had his whole right. career, actually. No, okay, no, going back to Arizona, when Fitz, yes. when he helped Fitz, was Bolden on that team too? Bolden, yes, Bolden was on the team. Okay. And it, the targets, it, and, and he's shown he will dump the targets to his alpha guy, and I want to say that, and I checked this yesterday, Bolden had like 99 targets one season, and the other season he was a tick higher. But um, but it was clear when he had a guy who was absolutely going to be his alpha, he fed his alpha. Okay, who, who's is now you've got Josh Gordon, you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got David Joku we're going to talk about a little bit. Josh Gordon's your alpha here. Josh Gordon amazes me, and he didn't amaze a whole lot of people last season. But again, we always talk about this. We look at the numbers, but we don't necessarily always watch the tape. From the first game that Gordon came back last year, he was consistently blowing away cornerbacks. They couldn't hang with him. He was the same guy that he was back in 2013 when he was taking the league by storm. The only problem was quarterbacks had no ability to get him the football. <laughs> I just saw passes sailing out. It was almost like Blake Bortles of a couple of years ago when he couldn't find Allen Robinson despite him being downfield. Right. But Josh Gordon had not lost a single thing. And he, matter of fact, that first game when he played against Casey Hayward with the Chargers, Hayward, after the game, said, this was the best receiver I've ever faced. <laughs> And it was his first game back after not playing in years. You know. So this is what we have in Gordon. Guys like this, it, I try to be logical. All, you know, I always try to look and take it a sober, reasoned view of things. Sober. And, and I look. And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a slip. Um, 
And I look at a guy like Josh Gordon last year when he came back, and I look and I go, well, logically, he's been basically, he hasn't played for three years, and we don't know what kind of shape he's in, and I can't bet on a guy like that. My my fan, what I'm trying to say is, my assessment of fantasy football in most cases, it just does not account for freaks of nature like this guy. I I don't know if anybody's does, but... I looked and I, you know, I, I was just dead wrong on him. People going, should I pick up Josh Gordon? I'm going, come on. Wait, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and he wasn't great fantasy-wise. He wasn't dominant. But real life-wise, I agree with you. you, know, you the, the, I mean, it's there. He's, he's, he's just, he's ridiculous. Do, do you, so do you see a, I mean, big, huge, right now his ADP Let's check. 34 overall. Now you look at NF, you look at a different one than I look at, but yours might be a little bit lower, but I'm looking like near the end of the third round. Yep. I am looking him right now in mid fourth. He's 44 overall in NFC. So you're buying. You're all in. I'm all in. And if it weren't for a couple of guys at the very top of the receiver board, like Antonio Brown, um, and that guys that I know 100% are going to have a phenomenal season. Gordon will be right beneath those. I will put Gordon at three or four of my receivers. I won't draft him there. I'll draft him in probably the third round unless the hype train gets going. But I see him as a league winner this year. The thing that really turned the tables for me in his favor was there was an article in GQ magazine last year, and he really seemed to pour his heart out to them. And he admitted that even in the season where he had um, 1,600 yards in 14 games, he was not sober for a single game. And he talked about how, for the first time in his life, he's not playing games. He tried to trick the commissioner to get him back into the league. He really seems like a kid who finally matured, and he really understands he's got one shot to make his life what he wanted it to be. And he knows it's his last shot. And I I just totally believed him when I read that article. Okay. So, um, yeah, mid-fourth, that's a – so you you grab him in the third. and You you grab him early. Hey, put it this way. If you're in a 12-teamer and you're at the 2-3 turn, are you grabbing him there, you think? Yes, absolutely, 100%. I will not let him get to that next turn because he probably won't be there. So, yes, I absolutely will grab him because – and I'm going to move back a number of years. When Randy Moss went to the Patriots, so many people would say, well, Tom Brady spreads the ball around. And the first thing I'm like, are you people crazy? Yeah, he spread the ball around. But if he has this guy running open down the field, waving his hand, do you think he's going to ignore him and say, nah, let's get Troy Brown the ball because he's, you know, 10 <laughs> yards downfield? No, he's going to throw the ball to the dude because the dude can beat about anybody, you know, possible. And so, yeah, that's what's going to happen here. Um, whether it's make Baker Mayfield or whether it's Tyrod Taylor, they're not foolish men. They're going to throw the ball to him, and even if he's covered, they know he's going to go right up over any defensive back and overpower him for the football. All right, so considering what you said about Josh Gordon, now you still got Jarvis Landry. Can Jarvis, if Josh Gordon's the alpha and Todd Haley is going to focus his offense on feeding him, can Jarvis Landry still catch 90-plus passes like he usually does? No, and I don't think the offense will be predicated to that. Landry has been fortunate to be in a situation with offenses that were happy to matriculate the ball down the field, and he was able to take advantage of that. But I don't see Haley as ever being the type of coach who is going to look 
to use the short passing game as a staple of the offense. Use it certainly at times, but there there's no way that Landry's going to be the focal point in any manner of this offense. Um, he's probably going to take a radical hit on his receptions, probably in the 65 to 70 range, which is still decent. But, but, but it's that's the volume he's seeing. His, his fantasy value shot, if that's the case. Yes. I mean, exactly. as a fifth round, fourth, fifth round pick, even PPR, you're, I mean, forget that. That's, that's, a, that's a loss. I, I absolutely believe that will be the case. Okay. And I don't think either of those quarterbacks are going to be making that their first look. I, th- I believe both of these quarterbacks are the types of guys that are going to make their downfield look first, well, certainly when it's called, and then they're going to move their way down to the check down. These, neither of these two quarterbacks are conservative types. And so this is going to bode well for Gordon, but not so well for Landry. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about their tight end. David Joku was, what, end, end of the first round last year. Um, and th- there were some good flashes out of him. I mean, the, yes. the stats, at 32 catches for 388 and four touchdowns. Um, you know, he, he wasn't featured, but you could see him becoming the type of tight end that could be featured, Right. Yes, and I like the way you framed it, talking about how many receptions he had. Of those 32 catches, six of them were for more than 20 yards. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty hefty amount. And the touchdowns, he flashed early. He had three of those four touchdowns in the first five games. And then, however it shook out, he didn't see nearly the red zone looks. And a lot of that had to do with the Browns were struggling to move the football. But yes, he is a seam stretcher, and the coaching staff... Um, is at least from what I've heard in the offseason, he got less than half of the snaps last year. That is expected to take a major jump. They feel as if he's ready to contribute and be a playmaker. So as the snaps go up, and and again, with the quarterback play, and that's the most important point here, he'll have a couple of quarterbacks that can get the ball down the field where he excels. So Najoku is in line. Now, I'm not going to go crazy and draft him too, too far ahead of his ADP, which is around the end of the 13th round. That would be a good place to take him. If I was really stuck for a tight end, maybe the 12th round, but I wouldn't go any further than that. All right. So basically, if you're in a league with two tight ends, you want them, or if you're drafting a backup, which is not that common, then it's sort of a stash in a deeper league is what we're looking at. Yes, exactly. Or if I'm taking... I will draft a backup tight end if I get one of the last starting tight ends because at that point I won't have much of a confidence level and I will want an upside guy to maybe drop my initial draft pick for. And Njoku is that kind of upside pick that we talk about who could end up helping your team move toward a title. All right. What about the, uh, what about the Browns' backfield? It's crowded. You've got Hyde there. I mean, Hyde got paid. Duke got paid. And, and Chubb got drafted in early round two. Something's got to give here. What, 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 what's, how's this going to shake out for you? Boy, first of all, isn't it typical Browns fashion to overspend on a position that they're not going to get that value out of? You know, it, it's so – the, the Browns – I'm excited that the Browns are going to be better. I think it's fun, right? But, yes. But Dorsey got handed this gold mine. And look, I'm not saying that the, the previous regime didn't make any mistakes, but he got handed all this, all these picks and cap room, and basically he's like, "Hey, well, my backfield would be good this year with Hyde, Chubb, and Duke too, but you don't have to pay them all." 
It, it just Correct. seemed ridiculous to me to, to invest that much now because for this year, it's probably better. Down the road, it's not so great. I'm not, and I don't have the signing bonus information in front of me, so I'm not sure. But it just, it just seems like, like you said, overpay is, is the way to put it. Yeah, and I, I really am surprised that given Haley coming in as an offensive coordinator that they decided to pay Duke Johnson. He doesn't run between the tackles well at all. As a, as a just runner, he is average at best. As a receiver, sure, he's good, but that's not what they're going to need him for now that they have a decent receiving core to work with. So that was a waste of money, in my opinion. Carlos Hyde can catch the football. It's yep. not like he's, has, he's not capable of doing that. So I agree with you. Big waste of money. The shakedown of this is I think Hyde does get the early down work to start the season, and if he does well, that should continue. And he is getting drafted as the highest of the three running backs. He's going in the early sixth round in most drafts, where Chubb's going in the eighth. Um, Chubb's going to have to work his way past Hyde, and I don't know that he will, because Hyde is a good running back. Right. All right, so I'm looking at that NFFC, as I mentioned. And on the running back list, these guys are, are literally one after the other. Hyde is 86 overall, Duke is 91 overall, and Chubb is 93 overall. That's, that says to me that Hyde's a pretty strong value of the three. Agreed. And I would expect Hyde to get some goal line work. And if that's the case, and he can cash in on that, he should easily be the best value of the three running backs. Okay. Hyde, although he got paid... The competition behind Hyde is a good thing because it likely pushes him to try to get one more contract. And this one is going to last a bit, but to try to establish himself to get one more contract after this. So I think he's going to be plenty motivated to do well here. Okay. So as far as Duke, let's, I just want to see what his numbers were from last year. All right. So Duke caught... 74 passes last year. I mean, do you, do you see any chance he gets back there? No. Matter of fact, his target number from last year was an anomaly of his three-year career. He averaged 73 targets in each of his first two years, and he had 93 last year. So and the, the targets were way up, and that had to do – not that they weren't trailing the first couple years he played, but when they're trailing so much – that's what's going to happen. He's going to get the dump-offs. So, A, I don't think he's going to be on the field nearly as much. B, the Browns' defense was becoming an emerging unit last year Mm -hmm. that is only improving now. I don't see there being potential game scripts that allow to a pass-catching running back to have any type of crazy numbers in this system. Okay, so last Browns question. Um, Greg Ambrose just touched on this last week. You seem to like the Browns. You think the defense is pretty good, as you just mentioned. There's a lot of weapons on the offense. You like Todd Haley. Greg said to me he can't wait to get to Vegas to bang over five and a half on the Browns' win total. Do you agree with that? You know what? In as soon as the off season began, that was the first thing I had told people. I told people jump on the over for the Browns. Um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall, and this is before. 
they started free agency. And then once they started free agency, I was worried the number was going to go way up. But obviously it could only go so far because they're the Browns. But the free agency moves, getting Tyrod in, and um, I think they traded for him actually. And, um, and then with the draft – taking Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. I just see, yes, this is an overcall here. Um, and I know to go from zero wins, one win, to six or seven wins, it sounds crazy. But with the improvements on defense, which have been percolating for a while here, mm-hmm. and the offensive potential with actually having a real quarterback, <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to win seven games. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching them. I think they're going to be fun. All right, let's move on to the Chiefs. Um, we wanted to talk about them a little bit. How excited, confident, whatever, are you about Patrick Mahomes? I am very excited, and the main reason of my excitement is kind of an external factor. Their defense is so awful, and it's gotten worse <laughs> over the last two years, that they're going to be in some shootouts. And boy, if there's a quarterback that seems designed to do well in shootouts, to me, it looks like this kid, Patrick Mahomes. All right. Got athleticism. He's got a big arm and he's got weapons. He does have weapons. Um, Tell me about the backfield weapons first. Kareem Hunt. There's been uh, some, some of the mini camp news this week that one of the head, it's funny. I checked the rotowire football page this morning and one of the first headlines I saw was about Spencer Ware that he's getting closer to full go and that he could be used to spell Kareem Hunt and all that do you have for, for Kareem Hunt now we talked we talked about first round running backs Kareem Hunt is going eighth overall generally are you do, does Spencer Ware worry you yes and other factors as well I will not be one that's going to actively seek taking Hunt in the first round. Um, for a little bit of background, and I hate to always do numbers. I try to be a tape guy and more, but the numbers kind of tell a little bit of the story. Spencer Ware was 4.3 yards per carry in 2016, so he was hardly a bum. What happened was, is he got a lot of carries. He couldn't handle a heavy workload as the season went on in 2016, and he began to fade a bit. Well, And we know Kareem Hunt had that insane start to the season last year where he had 500 rushing yards in the first four games. After week four, he had 4.04 yards per carry. I don't know how much better of an interior runner Kareem Hunt is than Spencer Ware. Obviously, Hunt is a great receiver, and Andy Reid backs do very well in that capacity. But I would assume Spencer Ware is going to see quite a bit of the goal line work. Mm-hmm. Based on him just being a bigger guy, yep. a stronger interior runner, and again, over the bulk of last season, again, we take away that, that, that the first four games and nobody was ready for Kareem Hunt, that Ware's yards per carry during that time span was better. Okay. He's a stronger runner. So you're out. So you're out on Cream Hunt at his ADP. Yes, you're out. Yes, because okay. he'll never fall to a place where I take him. I mean, I, I I would see him right now with the competition being a great second round pick, but he's he'll never last there. He'll be a first round pick every time. Every time is right. Okay, as far as those other weapons you mentioned, um, I mean, Travis Kelsey's a given. For, just quick one, Kelsey or Gronk? <laughs> Kelsey because of the health. Mm-hmm. Okay. He typically holds up better than Gronk does. Got it. 
All right, the other weapons. Uh, Tyreek Hill uh, proved me wrong last year. I thought he might have been too gimmicky, and, and I think I was dead wrong. But now Sammy Watkins is in the mix, and Sammy Watkins has been disappointing. But there, there may be other factors in Sammy Watkins. I mean, there are some injuries. Um, things in Buffalo were not the greatest. Um, last year, you would have thought with the Rams, things would go well, and, and they did. Why do you think things didn't go well for him with the Rams? Oh, and this is where my tape study comes in and will hopefully pay huge dividends this year. When I watched the tape of the Rams last year, Sammy Watkins was consistently running past cornerbacks and was open down the left side of the field. However, think back two years when we thought Jared Goff was potentially going to be the worst quarterback (laughs) ever to play the game. So Sean McVay comes in. And the first thing Sean McVay does, and I picked this up by just watching the film on this over and over, is basically he gave him two quick reads. Usually it was a a read to the right wide receiver, who was usually Robert Woods, and then he gave him a check down to Todd Gurley. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter if Watkins was running past the defenders Goff was rarely turning his head to the left at all. Okay. Therefore, the fantasy community looking at numbers says, Watkins was healthy all year, but he was an absolute bust. In reality, he could have put up crazy numbers, but the ball was never going to come his way because Goff was never going to go to that third read. Hmm. Okay, so now what? Now what? Now you've got... Tyreek and Sammy Watkins and Kelsey in the same offense here and whoever plays running back, which Hunt is a good receiver when he's on the field, and that's probably most of the time. Um, what, what happens to these receivers here? I mean, hopefully there's lots of you know, 41-38 games with the Chiefs, so everybody can do well. But who do you think, who do you think benefits? Is, is, are we sleeping on Watkins first? I think we are sleeping on Watkins, and we're not going to get this crazy um, – type of season that's going to be like a first or second round return we're not going to get that but Sammy Watkins he's been healthy now for a couple of seasons he is a great wide receiver he can run all the routes he can get past defenders he can win 50-50 balls so he is going to have a role in this offense and as you indicated a moment ago with the potential shootouts they're going to have to throw the ball a lot so there is going to be volume and Mahomes is not afraid to unleash the ball downfield. So I do think Watkins, again, the ADP data I'm seeing is seventh round. You may see it a little um, skewed one way or the other. But I think at that place in a draft, I think he has a very easy choice to take as a third wide receiver. Yeah, okay. With quite a bit of upside. Yeah, I'm seeing sixth round, but, you know, we're not far off. All right, so the other one now, over to Tyreek, who had a really nice year last year. I mean, really, really good. Um, 75 for 11, 83, and 7. Um, yes. On 105 targets, which is not a huge number. No. What happens to Tyreek here? Is, is there enough to go around for Tyreek to, to duplicate that stat line? You know, typically... I would say no, but now that we're going from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, I have to say 
that 105 targets is not an unrealistic number. And from a quarterback that's willing to get him the ball with his insane speed over the top of defenses, yeah, these numbers are definitely reachable. He only had 15.8 yards per reception, and I say only. Tyreek Hill is one of those guys that could near 20 yards per reception because of what he's able to do with his crazy speed. And so with limited volume and the big playability, yes, he can duplicate that. But as we talked about last year, I remember in the offseason, he is one of those guys, he's better in best ball leagues because if he's not catching a big pass, he could hurt your team that week. But overall, he's a great player, but I don't like the fact he's going to the beginning of the third round. Yep. For, that, for the type of volatility he brings, that concerns me a little bit. Okay. So, so I don't know that I'm spending, and again, tell me what your ADP numbers are on, on Hill. On Hill, it was 28, so early third, like you said. Yeah, so um, that's going to be dicey for a guy that's a big play, th- big play threat. All right. Yeah, I got to tell you, you got me uh, you know, people who are, are in mentioned this last week. It's almost like we have a staring contest as to who can wait the longest on quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> when you do fantasy analyst drafts, so we're all like, oh, I'm getting Aaron Rodgers in the fifth. Um, but you got me thinking about waiting, playing the waiting game, and, and sort of doing a, a Mahomes someone platoon. That's kind yeah, of where that, that you got me game. really thinking that right now. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, the defense, it has been crumbling for two years. Um, Overall defense, I want to say they were 23rd a couple of years ago, and they were near 27th, 20th. They were right about there last year. And their their key players are getting older. This is a defense that's going to continue to crumble. And, wow, are we going to see some beautiful scores. (laughs) Love it. All right. And one more thing. Can I real quick? Sure. No other chief receiver besides Hill or Kelsey had more than 62 targets last year. But um, with Sammy Watkins in the mix, you can guarantee that that is going to change. And – but I think they're going to have to throw the ball, and they're going to be more willing to throw the ball even more, especially downfield. Alex Smith gone again. And, and so for Watkins to get nearly the amount of targets as Hill, nearly 100, yeah, I think that's going to happen. All right. Folks, uh, listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Again, check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. All right. We're going to go on to some random questions. We are at about 35, 36 minutes here, so we're going to probably do 10 or 15 more minutes. And I've got a bunch of questions. We might not get to them all, but um, Jim, rapid fire. You ready? Yes. All right. Um, I was going to ask you about the Patriots' backfield. I was going to ask you who you like, and I'm looking at it now and saying, all right, the obvious answer is Sony Michelle, but is, that, is it as obvious as that? I don't think so. I don't see Belichick even though he used a first-round pick, I don't think he's the guy that says, because you're a first-round pick, you are going to have this role. Um, no, I still think Burkhead and James White are going to get plenty of work, and this is going to be a three-way split. Okay. But do, do you think those guys is, – is, so second part of that question. So to you, I, I've heard from other people who seem to like Michelle more than that, and I think the, the reason is, well, they look at him and they say the talent just stands out more. And, and do you see it that way or not so much? 
no, I don't. I, I don't. And, and I don't see them going away from being a pass dominant team. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Brady first, and the running game is always going to be a um, a leftover as long as he's throwing the football. So even if he does have that talent, which I don't quite see that level that other people are talking about. I don't think he gets enough carries in that case to even justify. And he's going way higher than the other two guys in ADP. Right. I hope I didn't miss your question a little bit, but, no. I, but, I, no. but I don't think he's that transcendent talent that's going to say, you know what? We don't need Brady to throw the ball so much anymore. I mean, he's going he, in NFFC. He's going fourth round. Yes. And, and I just can't see with as long as Tom Brady's calling the shots, yeah, I mean, not calling the shots, but under center, right. I just don't see any running back, no matter how talented he is, having that kind of a stat line to earn fourth round okay. territory. Burkhead and White are still there. Right. They're not going they're not going away. Next one. Well, you're a Bears guy. Right? Jim? Yes, yes. Sorry. So you're a Bears guy. I am the Bears beat writer, but I'm not a but, Bears fan. But you're Chicago. You're in Chicago. Correct. Right. Correct. But you're not a Bears fan. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird, but um, I'm warming up to them. I like what they've done in their front office. But yeah, but let, well, let's attack a question here. Okay. Um, Alan Robinson. Uh, obviously, there's some concern coming off the ACL surgery. Are, are you buying Alan Robinson at ADP? Hold, please, everybody. Allen Robinson at fourth, fourth round, mid-fourth. To me, it's an absolute steal. And a little explanation. I'm not worried about the ACL. I mean, we hear occasionally a player does not return to full form, but he got hurt in week one. Yep. And so he's like a full, almost a full calendar year until he has a game. And, and that just seems to be an easy assumption that he's back to full health. And I think we get an ADP discount because people are going to remember the bad year he had in 2016. Yep. And again, being a tape guy, he was coming off a 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown season. But the following year is when Blake Bortles imploded. (laughs) Balls were sailing out of bounds at Robinson's feet. Robinson got frustrated. This is an elite talent. He's probably one of the seven best wide receivers in the NFL on a talent standpoint. And Nagy's going to get him the ball. Nagy, I'm sorry. Nagy's going to get him the ball. And so is Trubisky. Okay. Yes, all in. All in on Robinson. Okay. Next up. Joe Mixon, last year, I, I joked around that uh, all summer on this podcast, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't shut up about Joe Mixon because he's all anyone <laughs> wanted to talk about. And, and I, I, I was underwhelmed, not underwhelmed, it wasn't underwhelmed, it's just that I thought people were getting too excited and the helium was just blowing up on him. Um, turned out to be right. Doesn't mean I'm always right, but in this case, it just it didn't work out for him. You know, the Bengals had offensive line issues. It's not, I'm not throwing this all on Joe Mixon. Correct. Now, I don't feel like we're talking about him as much, but ADP-wise, I'm seeing late second round. Do you think that's that, – that, again, seems to me to be aggressive? If you need a running back in the second round, that's the point where, based on his workload, that's the price you're going to have to get 
uh, you're going to have to pay for a player that's going to get that type of volume. Now, the encouraging thing about Mixon, and you talked about the offensive line, and you are correct, that offensive line began to gel in the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. It was very apparent that they had improved. And Mixon was held to 3.4 yards per carry or fewer in seven of his first 10 games. However, he had at least 4.9 yards per carry in three of his last four games once the line had gelled. It also helped that Bill Lazor took over as offensive coordinators a little before midseason, but um, but the combination of the line gelling and the offensive play calling getting a little bit better, Mixon is probably going to earn that ADP without much of an issue because the line should continue to improve with another offseason. All right. He can catch the ball a little bit too. Yes. Um, in the last four games, he had seven catches for 80 yards, which not bad. And actually, I, I, I should correct that. He can more than catch the ball a little bit. I know coming out of college, the, the book on him, why, a part of why people got so excited last year is because he was pretty good at receiving. Correct. All right. Not Giovanni Bernard good, but right. yes, he certainly can catch the ball very well. You are 100% correct on that. I got to tell you, looking at these ADPs, by the way, down there, and this is NFSC's PPR. Um, yes. But uh, right and had a mix in 23 overall. LaShawn McCoy, 22. Devontae Freeman, 21. That, that sounds nice to me down there. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good landing spot. Yeah. All right. Draft. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, top 10 fantasy quarterback or not? Borderline, and I still, even though he did well in his small sample size, I don't like his weapons. Pierre Garçon, a year older, coming off of injury. Marquise Goodwin, a little bit gimmicky. George Kittle, and they add Jarek McKinnon on the backfield. That's not a murderer's row of weapons. <laughs> And there wasn't really a book out on Garoppolo last year. Right. And I think, and they were playing from behind, and he was able to cobble together some really good yardage numbers. I also want to talk very quickly about Kyle Shanahan. In seven of his ten seasons running offenses, his offense has been in the bottom half of the league. Oh, you're going to get, you're going to catch hell for this one. I know. You can't say bad things about Kyle Shanahan in fantasy football circles. He had one year where he was in the number 10 offense, one year as a number four, and then he had that record-setting year with the Falcons. Um, Yeah, he had that that great year with the Falcons and another decent one, but for the most part, he's not been a very successful coach. But I tell you what, when you're coming off of a fairly recent phenomenal season – People just expect that that's going to translate over, and they've determined he's a genius. Yes, everybody has determined that Kyle Shanahan's a genius. And I'm not passing judgment on that one way or the other, because I, I think you're, you're a better judge of that than I am. But, but, yeah, you can't say bad things about Kyle Shanahan. His body of work is not genius. His, his season, two seasons, yeah, good. But doesn't everybody seem to have a career year, whether it's a coach or a player? Um, that's, that's true. I don't know. Yeah. All right. That, that's fair. Uh, that's an interesting outlook on that for Garoppolo. I, I think I agree with you about the weapons. As good as he looked last year, the weapons are, you know, I mean, compared Sketchy. to a lot. Of, we were talking about the Browns earlier. And, you know, look at all those. You look at the 49ers, you go, eh, really? All right. Now, if Kyle Shanahan had the Cleveland receivers, we'll have a different discussion. <laughs> okay. Next thing I want to talk about is some, someone who people don't 
they don't like anymore. Jay Ajay. Um, ADP-wise, he's going in the fifth. Uh, Deuce Staley says he's the man. Um, he's had some, I don't know. He's, he, he didn't get the workload in Philly that, that he had previously gotten in Miami. What, what, do, you, what do you make of Jay Ajay? Is he, is he, put, it, it, would you like to grab him as your second running back? I would grab him as my second running back, and I have him going in about the third round. I don't know if you're ahead of that, but the third round. But but I would probably look at a receiver at that point, and that's probably why I would be out on him. There's no question, great offensive line, fantastic system, but they have established pass catchers, and mm-hmm. Sproles is back, and I know he's old, but they really want him to be part of that running back um carousel but even if he's not there they have good pass catchers and they don't know how much they want to throw Ajayi the ball and and the more Deuce Staley talks about him being the guy that ADP and you and I know you had him going and we mentioned no that's right fifth round but I already in like in fantasy calculator I saw him move up to third round and I don't know that's where he ends up so he is a great talent. I love his talent. And if I knew he was going to get the ball 20 times a game, I'd have a really hard time passing on him. But I'm very concerned the coaching staff isn't going to give him the amount of work that I'd like. Regardless of what Deuce Staley says, I don't know if that's what the head coach says. And, and he's got some injury issues too. I mean, he played a lot last year, but his knees – it seems like his knees bother him. And, and you wonder if they're, if, if they're holding back on the workload because of that. I'm glad you said that, John. Um, when he was drafted, he went much later than many thought. And I want to say the words degenerative knee condition were thrown around a bit. That is a bone-on-bone condition. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I remember having heard that, and I wonder if that has to do with, like you said, it's very astute. I like that. That, that may be why they're maintaining a lower workload because if he's telling them his knees are sore in practice, we don't hear that, but that could be indicative of the reason why he's not getting the workload. We'd like to see All right. something to think about. I like Corey Clement too, by the way. Yes. Yes. Very nice player. Even though he dropped he didn't catch that ball in the Super Bowl. He did not catch that touchdown. No, I, Oh, I agree with that. Oh, <laughs> oh I don't want to get heated about the Super Bowl now, John. So I'm going to shut my mouth. Sorry, Eagles fans. I'm not looking for a fight. Um, <laughs> oh, not from them. No, I don't want to fight the Eagles fans either. Running backs, another running back. Why does everyone... All right, so I'm looking at these ADPs, and you're going down past Jay Giant. I'm going, all right, Colin's fine. There's some rookies, and there's Tariq Cohen. And this is PPR I'm looking at. So Tevin Coleman, who's a tandem guy. And now to number 80, I see Lamar Miller. And I know that Deontay Foreman might be back. Might be back. Um, and that last year Lamar Miller's performance was not the greatest. But there is a potentially huge workload staring this guy in the face again. And he can catch money. Last year, for as bad as my thought, he had 1,200 yards from scrimmage, and he's being drafted in round seven. I, I look at this and I think, potential bargain, I would like to have him. What do you think of Lamar Miller? You make a really nice case for him when you mention the yardage totals. He, he he is a compiler for sure. Mm-hmm. They're good. There's think, nothing wrong with compilers. People no, people love no, flashy no. potential 
And it's like I'm a fantasy baseball player too. Compilers are terrific and maybe more so in baseball. But uh, I, I think that's a great word for him. And I, I take that in a good way. Yes, and, and, and I think the fantasy community doesn't respect the compiler enough because he's not necessarily flashy. I see why the community's down on him. He had a couple of seasons with Miami where he had at least four and a half yards per carry, and he's only had a, an average of 3.7 with his two years at Houston. One of the years was 4.0, but overall he's at 3.7 in the two years. So he's not the player that people loved when he's with Miami, the big play guy, and he was scoring touchdowns well with Miami and now not so much. But I agree. Foreman is in the way, but Foreman, like you said, he's not a lock to take the role or to be healthy. And Miller being drafted where he's at, it's a sound gamble for a guy who's going to get work and he can put numbers up. So I I like your theory on that. And I think at that ADP, if I needed a running back, yes, I would think to add him. All right. Um, Next one I want to talk about relates to something we talked about earlier is uh, Brandon Cooks going to the Rams. Now you look at Brandon Cooks going to the Rams and you think, whoa, hey, that's a what a spot. That's terrific. Well, it's the Sammy Watkins spot. And when you talked earlier about how Sammy Watkins was open, then it kind of didn't matter. Now, maybe Jared Goff matures. Maybe they tweak the offense a bit. But what do you think? Is this, you know, what you said earlier gives me pause about Brandon Cooks. And it should because Sammy Watkins is not just a deep threat. Sammy Watkins is a guy that can run the entire route tree. And he is he's one of the more talented receivers in the league. But Cooks is 5'10", 189. He's a classic deep threat. So, and I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to call him a one-trick pony, but but he's not real far from that. He's not going to be getting passes over the middle. Mm-hmm. So if the quarterback's not going to look through the progressions and he's going to take what he has in front of him, like he did last year, I don't see how Cooks can put up the numbers he had. And remember, he's been around 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns in each of his three seasons, but he's had Hall of Fame quarterbacks in each season, Drew Brees for two and Tom Brady for one. Right. We're going to Jared Goff here. (laughs) Right. I mean, regardless, even if Goff is the same as last year or a little bit better, I just don't see him going to that point where – he's made this massive leap. I think he was coached up to get the numbers he got. And I think it was still a bit of a mirage and having Todd Gurley certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, this fourth round ADP, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I am guilty. I, I totally blew it on him last year. No. All right. Um, next one, Amari Cooper. Last year, there was maybe hobbled by some injuries. Yes. Hobbled by some injuries, but we're entering year four here. And Amari Cooper, this is, this is a guy who, let's see, he's caught over 200 passes in three seasons. And all, all everybody sees is disappointment. Right? It's just, it's, it, it's, a, yeah. it's not, you know, he, he's not becoming a 1,500-yard receiver with 10 touchdowns and everybody hates him. Not hates, that's strong. But, but is Amari Cooper going to get better or is, is, let's say, his first two years what we're going to get? 
I mean, to come into the league and have basically a couple of 1,100-yard seasons off the bat, and everybody's expecting the third-year jump, and like you said, injuries derail that, I have to think there's still a learning curve that may have occurred last year had he not been hurt. And I think John Gruden seems to be the type of guy that will work with him. A lot of NFL coaches, believe it or not, don't necessarily work to improve these guys. But I think he is that guy. And where his now his ADP has fallen. So I do think he takes a jump. I don't think he's going to be Julio Jones. But I think he has a jump in him to twelve or 1,300 yards. And, and Gruden's going to get him the ball. Assuming he's healthy, yes. I, I think he makes a jump. But I don't think he's ever going to be that elite game changer. I haven't seen the physical profile on the field that I think he could dominate at that level. Okay, Cooper's ADP right now at the third, fourth round turn. Do you think that's too high, too yes, low, or just right? Very fair, very fair, and I would definitely take him as a wide receiver too at that point. Um, he was being taken as a borderline one, two in the past, but I, as a wide receiver too, yes, he's going to be a lead receiver for a team with a coach who has a profile to pass the football. All right. Yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of targets there too. Same range ADP, Cooper or Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson, and it's not close. <laughs> Allen Robinson has shown the physical profile to be able to dominate um, defensive backs. He can he can thrive in double coverage. He can get over the top of defenses. He can win 50-50 balls. Allen Robinson is an elite receiver who had one great season with Blake Bortles. And, and I do think he has the type of ability a little bit south of Julio Jones but not really far off. Allen Robinson is the real deal. Okay. Another young receiver I want to talk about, Corey Davis. Last year, I had probably 10 weeks where I said, this is the week. (laughs) And I kept on DraftKings for $3,600, I kept picking Corey Davis. And it kind of didn't happen. There's tools there, but... what, what, What do you think? There were some injuries early, but then he was healthy, and he just wasn't, he didn't, do that well. Is it him or was just there a, you know, bad circumstances? What, what was wrong with Corey Davis? And do you think he'll get better? You need a smile on your face here. Do you remember the playoff game against New England? Yes. Two touchdowns. Yes. Wow. He looked good. He did. He looked like a guy that finally decided to use him. They just didn't use him. Um, when I watched the film, I didn't see him having issues getting free from coverage. Mm-hmm. I thought that he handled press coverage very well. Um, I don't think they were in a progressive pass offense, and I think that certainly didn't help. Um, I think he showed enough on a physical level that he is going to have a strong second-year leap. Obviously, how can you not leap on those numbers? But I think he does profile as a number one receiver, not elite, but a very, very good one. And at his ADP, yes. And I think if you have him as your third wide receiver, fourth would be ideal. Actually, fourth is ideal. But, um, but no, I see him as a guy who should have a massive jump this year. Um, he, the injuries, as you mentioned earlier, that was a huge reason for him not making the big rookie jump that he could have had in the second half of the season. All right. Um, yeah, ADP that I'm seeing is 70. So that's bottom of the sixth. Yeah, and that's right about 
where I would say he's a good value. Um, ten picks higher would start to get sketchy, but if you were gonna if you if you were really stuck at receiver at that point, you went running back heavy. Um, I might say 10 picks higher, but boy, if you get him at his ADP, that would be a sweet spot for him. All right. Um, last question on Davis, right? Same range, Sammy Watkins or Corey Davis? Corey Davis, because he is going to be the alpha receiver in that offense. The old regime is gone, which is a great thing. And, and I think they're going to be a more pass-oriented team than they were. And so, yes, I go Corey Davis because he's not a man among three as Watkins is. He should be the man, and that makes a big difference. All right, so related question to that. You're not a Richard Matthews fan. He's a really nice player, um, and, and he was able to do well getting open deep, but I don't think he's any type of consistent chain mover for a team. He's more of a big play guy. And, and he should do well as a second fiddle because he won't see the double coverage and he should get deep. So it's not that I'm not a Rashard Matthews guy, but he is no threat to Mm -hmm. an alpha receiver taking in a ton of targets. Okay. Last question for you. And it's related to the, to the Titan stuff. So you talked earlier about how you, how you liked what you think Todd Haley will do for the Browns. Other people, Play, the, the changes in play calls. We talked a bunch about play calls. We talked about Kyle Shanahan. Um, Matt LaFleur, Rams uh, QB coach, right, going to be the offensive coordinator for Tennessee. Be, people have talked about him a bunch. Matt Nagy being the head coach of the Bears. A lot of optimism there about what he can do for Trubisky. Do, do, are, both, do, are they going to live up to the hype as far as what they bring to their teams in improving fantasy values? Are there any other offensive coordinators or head coaches who are play callers who you think will have strong impacts on a team who stands out to you in that regard besides Haley, who we've already talked about. The LaFleur thing is interesting because it was McVay's offense. I mean, Mm -hmm. LaFleur was there, but it was McVay's offense. So I'm real skeptical as to he's an offensive mastermind, but nonetheless, just bringing in a more um, heavily pass culture, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, more heavy pass reliance in their offense. That will certainly help. But I don't think it's that he's a genius. But um, certainly any offense is better than the one they ran. <laughs> in terms of other coaches, and I'll go quickly on these. I know we're spending a lot of okay. time here. Frank Reich will be the head coach of the Colts. And as long as Andrew Luck is playing in training camp, um, he's been a guy that's had a lot of success as an offensive coordinator, and he's shown a strong ability to run a passing offense. So I would be... As we get the closer we get to the season, if it's positive with luck, I'd be over some Colt, all over some Colts players, and that offense could really emerge. Mike McCoy goes to Arizona, and he's had six top ten passing offenses in the last eight years, and and so he could bring a little bit of a boost to their passing game. Okay, um, and like I said, Joe Philbin is actually going back to Green Bay. And, and I and I know when he was with Miami, it was a train wreck. But the last time he was with Aaron Rodgers, and I know it was Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have a great pass offense. Um, they worked really well together. And so the Green Bay offense could get back to some of those levels they had previously seen years ago. Okay. That's an interesting one because all the people, the, the, the Rotowire offices are based in Madison, Wisconsin. Yes. Everybody, they hate Mike McCarthy, those guys. All of them. <laughs> well, if you can't do more with Aaron Rodgers, I guess I probably wouldn't be too fond of him either, right? Right. I guess so. All right. Jim, what else are you working on this summer? 
You know, I'm going to try to do a lot more delving into the intricacies of daily fantasy. Um, there are so there's so much to learn, and I want to spend a lot of time on that. Something else I'm looking real forward to is later this summer I'm going to go to Vegas with the Roto-Wire crew, and I, and I love those people. And not because I, I'm on the air with you here, but um, seriously, they listen to each other. We're selfless. And they're just good people. Yep. So I can't wait to see my colleagues for a few days. That sounds fun. Where are you guys staying in Vegas? Um, at the Cromwell, which is um, it's a Caesars property. Got it. All right. What's your game? What's your casino game? Uh, Texas Hold'em. I play um, the small tournaments, the small buy-ins, Got it. $70 buy-in. Okay. I know Erickson's yeah, a poker player. Who is? Erickson's a poker player. Nice. He is. He definitely is. Yeah. I'm, not, I, I like, I, I'm a craps guy. So. Oh, awesome, man! That that that's the guts for craps. It's so fun. It's it's just great. It's it's mo- but when the table's hot, it's the most fun game in the casino, and the odds are really good in certain with certain bets. But yeah, I'm not much of a poker player, so you know, I I would not I I know well enough. I could play in my neighborhood game. I know well enough not to sit down at a table with people who know what what they're doing. So no thanks. Uh, I like that. I should play craps someday. Sounds like fun. Yes. All right, um, folks, if you like this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a review and a rating. Um, Jim, thanks a lot, man. We're going to talk again soon, okay? Excellent. Take care. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Our next show is going to be the week of June 18th. We've got Liz Loza from Yahoo Sports lined up, so make sure to tune in for that one. Uh, for Jim Coventry, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.